Greetings, fellow music junkies. It's time for another episode of the I'm in Love with That Song podcast, where twice every month we explore a different song together. This time, we've got quite an adventure on our hands because we're digging into Owner of a Lonely Heart by Yes. My name is Brad Page, and you've found your way into my podcast where I pick a favorite song and we listen to see what makes this song tick, what really goes on inside of the songs that we love. Now, this isn't a show for musicians. I mean, if you are a musician, that's great, but you don't have to be, because we're not talking about music theory or technical stuff. We're just listening for the little tricks, the techniques and performances that make a good song great. So this episode, we're listening to a song that really broke new ground, and it still sounds pretty unique today. Owner of a Lonely Heart by Yes. The band Yes formed in 1968 and were one of the pioneers of progressive rock, releasing a series of seminal prog rock albums throughout the 1970s. When Yes entered the studio to start work on what would become their 11th album, it wasn't actually going to be a Yes album at all, because Yes wasn't even together at that point. When lead singer and founding member John Anderson and keyboard legend Rick Wakeman both left in 1980, the remaining members, Steve Howe on guitar, drummer Alan White, and bass player Chris Squire, carried on with two new members, Trevor Horn on vocals and Jeff Downs on keyboards. But after one album and a tour, that lineup disbanded. Trevor Horn decided that he'd rather be a record producer and went on to a hugely successful career as a producer. Steve Howe and Jeff Downs went on to form Asia, and Chris Squire and Alan White tried to get their own thing together. They even tried putting a band together with Jimmy Page called XYZ, but that never got off the ground. Squire and White were introduced to a guitarist, singer, and songwriter from South Africa named Trevor Rabin. They hit it off and started working on new material that was in a different direction than Yes, so they decided on a new band name, Cinema. So, it was Cinema who began work on Owner of a Lonely Heart in 1982. Trevor Rabin had initially come up with the idea for the song in his bathroom in 1979. The very first recording of the song was just a rough sketch laid down on acoustic guitar by Rabin. By 1980, he had fleshed out the song and recorded a full demo. Let's check that out. A completely different introduction than the version we're used to hearing. The lyrics are different, too. Cool 
It's interesting that the demo has a completely different chorus. And what we're used to hearing is the chorus on the Yes version is actually part of the verse on the demo. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Trevor Rabin has been pitching this song to various record executives. He played it for the legendary Clive Davis, who told him the song was too strange to be a hit. But Trevor Horn, the former Yes vocalist who's now a record producer, is actually back working with the band as a producer. He hears the song, and he thinks they could do something with it, but it needs some work. He convinces Rabin that the chorus and the bridge have got to go. He also convinces him that it needs new lyrics. Now, while all this is going on, the management or the record label has decided that neither Raymon or Chris Squire's vocals are good enough, and they need to get a new singer. So Chris Squire reaches out to the original Yes vocalist, John Anderson. Squire went to Anderson's house, and they sat in Squire's car while he played the cinema demos for Anderson. Anderson liked what he heard and agreed to join back up. Now, with Anderson back on board, the record label pressures them to change their name back to Yes, and they reluctantly agree. Now that Anderson is handling vocals, he rewrites some of the lyrics. By the time the song is complete, the song is credited to Trevor Rabin, Chris Squire, Trevor Horn, and John Anderson as the songwriters. The song begins with a sample. This is one of the earliest examples of a sample being used in a pop or rock song. That sample comes from a song called Cool Is Back by Funk Inc. Here's the original recording. After the sample, Trevor Rabin's guitar comes in with this massive guitar sound. Rabin had previously done some recording sessions for Manfred Mann's Earth Band, where he used the same guitar sound, and he wanted to use that same sound here. Two heavily distorted guitars, one panned left, one right. Now listen to how the reverb on the guitar changes when the band comes in. The guitars are saturated in reverb in the intro, but once the band comes in, that cavernous sound goes away and the guitars are pretty dry. Next, we're going to hear another sample. This is the orchestra hit from the Fairlight CMI, which was one of the first samplers and sequencers you could play with a keyboard. This quick little sound of an orchestra hitting one short note was one of the samples that was included with the Fairlight. It's actually a short snippet from Stravinsky's Firebird Suite. This sample became one of the most used samples in history. You can hear it on songs by Duran Duran, Britney Spears, Peter Gabriel, both Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson, and in literally hundreds of hip-hop records. And it's in this song, too. Now let's go back and listen to the guitars again. 
It started with those heavy guitars, then after the orchestra hits, another guitar is added that's playing arpeggiated chords with a very clean tone. Once the vocal starts, the distorted guitars drop out, leaving only the clean guitars. Here comes the clean guitars. And there go the distorted guitars. I did some digging and I was able to find some multi-track recordings of this song, which let us listen to individual parts. So let's listen to just the guitars there. You hear the distorted guitars drop out once the vocal begins, and there's also a clean guitar that's duplicating the bass part. Move yourself. You always live your life, never thinking of the future. Prove yourself. You are the move you make. Take your chances, win or lose. There's a nice little guitar bit there. There's a lot of reverb on John Anderson's voice. Let's listen to just the vocal part here. See yourself. You are the steps you take. You and you and that's the only way. On the next line, they throw in another orchestra hit after the word shake. Shake, shake yourself. You're Here's the chorus, which is actually the same chord changes as the verse. Let's listen to just the vocals on the chorus, where Trevor Rabin takes the lead. Owner of a lonely heart. Owner of a lonely heart. Much better than I. Owner of There's some phasing on that vocal line. Owner of a lonely heart. Before the second verse starts, there's a sample of a harp and another orchestra hit. That little bit there is actually a keyboard part. Let's go back and play that in context. Okay, so two things happening there. First, there's a nice little bass lick by Chris Squire. And then there's a little bit of an in-joke between band members. John Anderson sings that line about the eagle in the sky dancing, and then you hear a gunshot. Apparently, someone in the band didn't like those lyrics and wanted to shoot that eagle out of the sky. Watch it now! The eagle in the sky, how we dancing one and only. Let's listen to all of that mixed together. Watch it now! The eagle in the sky, how we dancing one and only. 
that's another keyboard part. We're coming up on the bridge of the song, and you'll hear Trevor Rabin's voice get more intense at the end of the chorus, which helps to build things up for the bridge. I like the funky little guitar part in the background. Now they're going to return to that sample from the Cool Is Back record for the break. After the break, they go right into the guitar solo, and this was a pretty innovative solo for its time. Most people didn't even know this was a guitar. I don't think they knew what was making this sound. Trevor Rabin ran his guitar through a cranked Marshall amplifier and a harmonizer effect, which was set to harmonize a note a fifth above whatever note he plays. This creates an otherworldly sound. Let's hear that guitar by itself first. Now let's hear it in the final mix. Notice how they ramp up the weirdness even further by some crazy left and right panning. There's a short overdubbed guitar part here too. Rabin used some behind-the-nut string bending for that part. The solo ends abruptly, and then there's a nice little break with guitar and bass. I really like Chris Squire's bass part here. They stack more vocal harmonies now. They return to this section, which ramps up the energy as we approach the end of the song. Now listen closely, because they're going to do a key change here, right at the last moments of the song.
Yes, with Owner of a Lonely Heart. The song was released in 1983, was included in their 90125 album, and became their only number one hit. The song is only about four and a half minutes long, but there's so much packed into it. There's stuff we didn't even touch on. That is a hallmark of Trevor Horn's production style. You can do your own forensic listening and see what you discover in the song. That's one of the great payoffs of this track. Every time you hear it, you might discover something new. Thanks for listening, as always, and I hope you'll join me again. Please leave some feedback on Facebook, iTunes, or wherever you found this podcast. I really appreciate that. Your reviews help more people to find the show. I'll be back with another episode of the I'm in Love With That Song podcast. It's right around the corner. For now, I'll leave you with the full, uninterrupted version of Owner of a Lonely Heart by Yes. <laughs>